just I'm just planning all of my content based on what other people are searching for. You will sell way more of your products and services through your content than you will in any other way. How would you advise somebody to actually get started in this? What do you think is the first thing they should be doing? Listen to my podcast 100%. Yes. On this episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I'm starting to feel a little bit like I'm talking to my teacher. Uh, because I've got Kane Barron from the Progressive Media, who was the guy that taught me how to essentially set up this podcast, because Kane is in charge of running podcasts for Progressive Media and for all of their clients and a, and a host of celebrity clients as well. So I've got to ask him some more questions and basically drill into his brain to see how he does what he does and how he helps other people launch hugely successful podcasts with millions and millions of downloads. Uh, so let's have a word with Kane. You've been doing um, podcasts and helping other businesses with their podcasts now for for some some time. Yeah. What what got you got you into that? What interest did you have in podcasts before you started? Yeah, it was kind of a weird one. So it started off as consumer first of all. So a bit of a weird background. I was for the longest time planning on doing well doing I did do a law degree and that was for the longest time my a law degree yeah that's, uh, for whatever reason from like the age of about 11 to university age I was like you know become solicitor become lawyer like that that was the goal god knows why right so everything I did geared up to to that point was aimed at that and then when I finally got to university very very broke as most students are mm. right so it was i was um working a job probably actually i think two jobs at the time and then i went to university in lincoln which is a very old town so lots of like independent shops and things like that and i'd always been pretty good with like most techie things and and stuff like that so what I started doing to earn extra money is I basically become a broker where I'd go up and down the high street for all these independent brands and be like, why have you not got a website? Like, why are you not on social media? Like all of these sort of things. And then sell them on the idea of me doing all of the work. But then the problem was, is I actually had like an app, like a you know, real job, right? That paid me a salary. And then I was at university doing a, a law degree, which was hard enough because I'm properly dyslexic right so you know like reading especially in old english or latin wasn't really you know a breeze for me so i was like up to my neck in work but i needed to eat and stuff so yeah. you know you do what you got to do so i used to outsource it i'd then just spend a bit of time in the evening finding freelancers and i just used to outsource it and then keep the skim off the top essentially so it's proper entrepreneurial spirit then yeah i, I suppose so. i didn't really know that at the time i was just trying to drink on weekends and <laughs> eat during the week to be honest um which i did i had a wonderful time um and i was still focused on doing the whole university thing although the end of my second year i was doing a lot of work experience and you know i've got 12 months left you know i've got to pull your finger out and i saw a, a glimpse of my future really in that there was in the uk at least so once you've done your law degree there's two to three more years of training all right essentially so you do your oh sorry three to four more years so you do your postgrad which is equivalent to your masters 
And then you have to have what's called a training contract, which is two years in a firm. But that is all paid for and supported by the firm and you work for them. Mm. But the problem is it's so competitive. It's unless you know somebody or you're truly exceptional, they are very, very rare to come by to actually get one, especially out of uni. So what most people do is they go and work in the firm in some other role. So they can kind of buddy up, become friends, and then they're like, oh, by the way, I've got a law degree. Can you pay for my training contract, please? Like and that's a, sort of... A paralegal sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So you join as a paralegal, but this particular lady, she was in the mail room, right? So like even lower. Um, so she was 29. She went to the same uni as me. I would have said she was definitely more intelligent than me. She got better results than I did. And I was like, it's, it's kort of a glimpse of my future, right? So it's like, hmm. Mm. You're 29. You're only just getting your opportunity now. So I don't know if she'd worked there the entire time, but obviously you graduated 21, post-grad, you know, 22. That's an awful long time for somebody who's, you know, I was fairly money motivated for whatever reason. And I had pretty big aspirations. So I was like, I'm not going to be, and there's nothing wrong with it, but like, I'm not going to just be delivering mail until I'm 29 within like a law firm and things like that. It just wasn't for me. So I was like, okay, perhaps this isn't that fun. And even when I did get to go upstairs and shadow, you know, the actual qualified solicitors, their work was dull as. Like, mm. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, this probably isn't for me. But one of the jobs I had throughout um, year 11 all the way through to, to university was I worked at Costa. Now, you end up having your favorites, normally based on what car they drive because i worked at a drive-through because those are the ones that tip right so um you can see where my motivations clever, clever. have come yeah um and one of those people happened to be um a, a mutual connection of ours which is mr rob moore so you know i would open up shop at 5 a.m and he was already there most days like he was waiting for me most days and you know <laughs> come around and you know vintage ferrari one day and then there'd be a porsche and there'd be a lamborghini he's like okay who's this guy <laughs> always tipped well at christmas right so it was um but I always enjoyed talking to him because he'd be like, oh, I'm going to London today to interview such and such. And it was always like a good name that was like well known, whether it's somebody from Dragon's Den or, you know, somebody from TV or like an, an old boxer or something like that. It's just, it's always somebody interesting. I was like, oh, wow, like what a job. Um, so when I went through that transitional period of university, when I was like, oh, I've based sort of my whole, like all of my decisions over the last 10 years on this one goal and dream. And now I'm thinking, I really don't want to do this. What do I do? Yeah. I ended up messaging him because he's from Peterborough. I'm from Peterborough saying, right, you know, I've been serving you coffee for X amount of years. Here's all of my skill sets. You know, here's everything I've done. Here's my background. Like, what can we do kind of thing? And to my surprise, he's like, okay, here's an interview. So I had an interview. So they've had progressive media as podcast agencies been running since January 2016. And three years ago, I suppose, I joined, um, which was a, a mixed role, looking after clients. It was sales. It was helping consult with clients because a big thing is making sure that they do well so they stay with you, right? It's, it's kind of the thing. Yeah, it's, so, it's important for an agency to make sure your clients do well. Yeah, generally speaking. Mm. So... um that was kind of the role that I came into. So before I had some marketing experience around social media, uh, podcasting was pretty new to me at the time outside of just being an avid listener. So from this actually came from my English teacher when I was in like year 10 or 11 because of the dyslexia and basically it take me like 
three or four times to read a page before it really sunk in. So that's not particularly efficient. So she's like, I'll listen to podcasts and then you can consume it when you're doing other things and that will help you catch up because really who has the time to read four times, right? What, what would normally take somebody once? So she's like, you just won't get through the materials. So that was my first experience of podcasting. I was about 15 and it was educational and then it went to entertainment and then um, again, sort of educational, a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts. I listened to Rob's. So then I, I knew a lot about them as a consumer, knew quite a bit about marketing from sort of two or three years at uni, a university. I ran like nightclub events as well. So we had to market those. So I got very good at that sort of thing. Yeah. And then when I joined the agency, that's when I sort of upskilled over the last three years and working on however many thousands of shows since. Um, this that was sort of the story, really. Right. So that, it's it's interesting that you know you, you you had a career in mind that you just completely binned off, completely yeah. binned off because you realised it it just was not what you wanted wanted to do. Um, but are, are you happy doing what you're doing now? Oh yeah, I love it. I think I I'm not one of these people that has like a gratitude journal or anything like that. But I do frequently. <laughs> think i'm genuinely happy like especially if if i'm going away on holiday or something like that or you know it's a bank holiday and you're with your friends and everyone's like oh fuck like oh bad sorry if i'm not allowed to swell on your <laughs> swear on your show but you you want to say fuck you say fuck it's absolutely lovely <laughs> right but do you know what I mean? when you're all if you're having a drink you're with your friends and it's yeah. that that sunday or whatever and everyone's like oh i can't be asked for work tomorrow it's miserable it's like, i've not had that feeling once in over three years wow. so i was like i'm Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing well, I think. Mm. So you, you do what you love and you don't work a day in your life. Exactly. So so what is it about podcasting and, and producing other people's podcasts and helping people make success with theirs? What is it about that that really grabs you? I think it's a mix of things, right? It's One, it's... It, podcasts have been around for a little while now, but relatively speaking compared to other mediums it's pretty fringe it's fairly new it's evolving it's adapting and because of our size so we're the largest independent agency in the uk at least but that means we're at the forefront of a lot of things that are happening which is obviously really exciting to be a part of new innovations and things like that and being in the know before a lot of people like oh, that's exciting stuff um and then also you get to meet such a variety of people, right? I've met an, like a ton of like famous people or at least incredibly well-known people within that space. I've been able to work with them. You know, I've been able to do some work with some large charities as well, which is obviously a lot more rewarding than just like a business podcast, but doesn't mean that that business podcast isn't fun to work on. So just because you get to meet so many people and listen, like, I mean, at the end of the day, I was a massive consumer before so it's kind of like if you're a sports commentator for your favorite sport right you're already a fan of the medium now you just get paid to to listen to it and talk about it uh, that's really how i see my own job you know i like listening to most podcasts that we work with so then most most well some are a bit dry right <laughs> but you know we talk a lot about really niching down and there's a lot of people that do podcasts for their businesses so you know we've got certain things like health and safety bit dry yeah, Collins. you know that's it you know the mining industry like yeah. you know stuff like this it dumps some 
Oh yeah, absolutely. But I tell you what, his short form content is really good. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that that I although I wouldn't necessarily watch it a lot of those bits of content. I find it hilarious and fascinating that somebody in such like a niche that is mm. to the masses boring can absolutely smash it. And when you actually get to know the people behind the microphone, you go, "Oh, you're actually just a bit of a geek, and you're like a like a bit of a bloke." And yeah. it's ha- somehow you've got this enormous audience of people that all want to talk about health and safety or something like that. It's just wild, right? And I love that. See that, that that that's an interesting point because when when I first thought about getting a podcast, my initial reaction was, "Who's going to want to listen to me? Mm. What have I got to say about stuff?" And I've not really had a problem with that. But there are obviously industries that are synonymous with being a bit dull, mm. a bit dry. You know, like health and safety, like damp, actual damp. And you think <laughs> you can't possibly do a podcast on that. But there really is no limit, is there? There's no limit to how niche you can go. No. So I like to do this exercise on some of our training, right? So we'll spend an hour going through all of like the crevices of the internet. And then after about an hour, you can find in pretty much any topic, I'm yet to be beaten on this, but like I can find at least half a million people online in pretty much any topic ever been suggested to me on one of my trainings, right? So when you look through like various Facebook groups, YouTube subscribers, Reddit forums, you know, or independent forums and blogs and things like that. When you really look into where all these people are congregating and talking about topics, I'm yet to find one that hasn't got an enormous following. Now, does that mean you'll get that enormous following? Not necessarily, right? You might not be great at content or not be great at marketing, or perhaps they really like the written format instead of the audio format, but you'll be able to capture a decent percentage of that. And if it already exists, it's proof of concept. And then if it already exists in a different format, i.e. Reddit, for example, or a Facebook group, but there's not a podcast on it, well, those are the ones that I get really excited about because if they're really, really niche, mm. it normally means they're underserved. So if you if it's really, really niche, but there's 20,000 people in the Facebook group about this particular topic, then guess what? If you then go into that group and be like, Oh, you can listen and talk about the same stuff, geek out on it, but whilst you're driving or whilst you're in the shower or, you know, listen to conversations about it so it's not just one way, then that's going to get taken up and people are going to get excited about that. Mm, that, that that's a really, really important point there because in all forms of marketing, because I've, I've had that for like the last 20 years, when you're doing digital marketing for a company and you find that there's not really anybody doing it online. There's not really any competition for it. It's like, well, this is going to be easy. Mm. But you don't really find that anymore because with digital marketing, everybody's doing everything. But with podcasts, there still is a lot of gaps there, a lot of niches, a lot of specific businesses that literally have nothing online. They, they can they can clean up. Yeah, exactly. So. To break it down into context, there's something like 50 or 60 million blogs, like many tens of millions of YouTube channels. And on social media combined, right, there's pretty much every social media channel has a couple of billion users now. Mm. So they get really, really competitive, I suppose. Now, podcasting, there's been about 5 million ever, which is a real small fraction compared to the others. But there's only, there's about 250,000 active so what happened was there was a ton of people that did it for a 
about three weeks during lockdown then we got let out and then everyone's like, oh okay never mind right so there's loads of them that have failed and then there's some people that have done them just as one-off seasons right so when i said charities i was consulting with sue Ryder at the time and they were just doing sort of a one-off national campaign over radio and podcasts it was just one season standalone so the numbers look really skewed but there's only two hundred fifty thousand active and they define active as uploaded at least once within a month hmm. right so it's not really competitive and then when you spread that across different languages and then within those languages the different subject matters in most specific pieces of content now if you're just doing like a comedy podcast or you're in interviewing like inspiring people which is like my least favorite phrase out of a creator's <laughs> mouth then right there might be quite a lot of people doing it but if you're talking about something specific then you're flying but like, i met a guy on clubhouse back in the day right so this is going back a little while he had a fly fishing podcast scaled it um and had like a, a paying membership which is doing like tens of many tens of thousands of dollars a month sold it to whatever company got bored two years later once his contract, his non-compete expired, started another one, built that up to many tens of thousands, then sold that one. <laughs> so it's like, especially there's certain hobbies and things that are underserved, but people spend a fortune on their hobbies. Mm. So they'll listen to it as well. So if this business is listening to this now thinking, I've always liked the idea of having a podcast, and I was talking to one lady just the other day, uh, in the beauty industry that wants to start a podcast and I keep pushing her towards you. I don't oh, think thanks. she's registered on your webinar yet, but I keep <laughs> pushing her your way. What are the things you think are stopping them doing it? I think it's just because it's so different. People are scared, right? You don't know what you don't know. And then I think you, what do most people know about podcasting? You know, it's Joe Rogan, it's Dario CEO, and they've gone, oh, look at that massive set. Look at all those cameras, right? Look at all. Uh, and they're comparing themselves to that, which is obviously ridiculous because you don't really need anything at the moment. And this is how I do most of my content. I'm using my iPhone as my, my webcam, my, backbook, my, my MacBook to look at you, and they pair together really well wirelessly. And then I'm using a microphone. We happen to have won this one at the podcast show, but the microphone I normally use is about £40. Right, so you, that you, you won that microphone you're using. We won two microphones actually um, at the podcast show, so that was our ticket cost back. Uh, this one's about 150 quid. It's pretty good. Uh, just testing it out. But normally, I like your branded pop shield. By the way, that's nice. Oh, thank you. That's a good idea. That's, I might nick that. Um, so <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll send you the link for the company that made it. Oh, cheers. Um, so I think the overwhelm of like, oh, I need so much technology and expertise probably cripples people but if they spent five minutes actually looking and even if you go onto google or to youtube or to whatever like you you'd see it's like, oh okay right that's the the extreme of it not what most people genuinely need hmm. and then when you get over that it's pretty straightforward and then obviously your initial reservations of who's going to listen to me that might scare people but I heard this. I think it was Chris Williamson that actually said it. And it was in reference to business, but I quite like it. It was people that don't take action because they're scared of the result, right? Fear of failure. 
and he was running like events businesses and things like that and he said the problem was so if he'd run an event all of his staff if the event flopped would be like oh that's so embarrassing everybody saw us fail right we only had 50 people in the room instead of our usual 2000 right what a terrible mistake like, no, 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 no. 50 people saw you fail that's nobody right it, it, and it's not really failure is it because i said that to podcasters go on we'll launch see what happens if nobody sees it and you think i hate it i don't want to do it then delete it because nobody saw you fail it's not embarrassing it's like tripping up in your own house doesn't matter but if you do it in tesco's and you base plant that's the worst thing in the world but then what's what's the worst could happen but then what's the best that could happen what if you do it and you've got five thousand people listening to it they're not judging you because they're listening to it they so they clearly enjoy it right nobody's mm. listening to 60 minutes of you every single week multiple weeks in a row just to critique you nobody's giving up that sort of time so i think those two things it's like fear of failure well if it doesn't work nobody saw it if loads of people saw it then it worked second thing overwhelming technology but really it's not as complicated as people think i've got you know 200 pounds worth of equipment that's lasted three years it's portable fits in a bag and i press one button plug a microphone into my laptop done right it's <laughs> done yeah, I was looking on Amazon earlier, as I, as I do frequently, because I have a watch save list. And mm. um, the Zoom PodTrack P4, which I've got here, which uh, I think you recommended on, yeah, yeah, on your, right your podcasting course, uh, it's got about 100 quid off at the moment. Oh, wow, okay. So it's down That's to about 120-something quid. Um, That's good. I'll put that into my community, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was gutted. <laughs> I, was yeah. I, paid, I paid over 200 for this damn thing. But it, it yeah. is brilliant. But obviously, you, you don't need equipment like this when you're starting you you can actually just use an iphone to record can't you you, you don't actually need all of the tech yeah I, th I think for most people they're normally doing virtual interviews on zoom so if you've got a, a zoom account a usb mic that plugs straight into your laptop and then if you want a good camera then yeah use your phone so there's iphone if you've got um like a, an ipad a macbook or an imac they're, if you're if they're up to date, then they'll seamlessly pair with your iPhone as your webcam. So this is currently using the back rear camera, sort of the 4K camera, which is great. But if you don't have a MacBook, then there's still software you can buy where you can plug it in. It's sort of not as seamless, but it's free and it works. It just requires a cable. So use that because you're 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 going to carry it with you and anyway, right? You're already, mm. already going to have it, and it's a good quality one. So buy, all you really need is a microphone. Mm. It is interesting there. You, you keep mentioning the camera. Mm. Obviously, that's if you're recording video. Now, obviously, we, you do, I do. So that, that's the way you, you said it's the best way to do it. But a lot of people will record podcasts without video. They'll yeah, just be sure. using the audio. How important do you think it is for people to record the video as well, though? Right. It's, I always get stuck with this because I deliver training on stuff. It's like... I will always teach optimal, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it, mm. right? So if you can, you are confident, you can facilitate it, and it looks good, do video. Why? Because you can then put that on YouTube, which you can then monetize. So many of our um, clients, right, they might get, let's say, 20000 a month on the audio, but because on the YouTube, you can then put the full length one, you can put shorts, you can put 10 minute clips and excerpts on it. They might get 2 million a month views, in which case that's extra growth, extra awareness, 
YouTube is then paying them. When you have a sponsorship deal, you can, you know, do a package where you're doing my email list, my social media, my podcast, and my YouTube. Right. Same with social media. So Rob is is hosted disruptors. That's the longest running podcast we've worked on our team. Right. So it took ten years for him to amass half a million combined followers across all channels. Within the next 12 months of doing the podcast video, chopping it up and repurposing, he got to an additional 1 million in 12 months. So he doubled his result in one-tenth of the time, and he invested personally less time because he wasn't having to create as much content. Just one podcast a week, you do the audio and the video, and you have that transcribed, turn into a blog. Have the video, put it onto YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Have the audio, put it onto podcast. So it's one of those things that is incredibly powerful and i highly recommend it but like i said that's optimal perhaps you've got a really crap camera setup in which case that might hinder you because it's going to lower the overall quality of of your content or perhaps you're just really not comfortable and when you have a camera in front of you you get really stuttery or awkward in which case the content suffers so you can start with audio and work up to the video you can only do audio if you want or if you you know you're confident and the your quality is good. Start right away with both. That's optimal. Hmm. As as Rob says, I think was it start now, get perfect later. Absolutely, completely agree with that. Hmm. Um, you mentioned Rob a few times there with with guests. Now uh, I know obviously Rob's had some incredible guests on his podcast, many of whom you you've been involved with in terms of actually recording of the podcasts as well. Um, how do you go about getting people to interview on your podcast? People that you want to get. Yeah, so Rob has somebody, a, a VA, that is full-time on that, near enough full-time. But again, this is when you're at a certain level. And he's a bulldog, right? He's relentless. And if you want the big names, you need to be going after absolutely everybody all the time. Don't take no for an answer. Every no is a no for now. Mm. So, for example, when Rob interviewed Jordan Peterson... We asked maybe perhaps a year or two before he finally said yes. And then all of a sudden, his first book, 12 Rules for Life, was coming out and he was touring UK and doing a press tour. Guess who comes knocking? Mm. Oh, um, if you've still got that podcast running, yes, uh, Mr. Peterson will come on your show. We'll be in Cambridge on this date. Wonderful. Now, that was probably one of the first big videos on the YouTube channel. And that full-length video, plus all of the excerpts, must have generated in excess of £50,000, if not more, and still gets money every single day, right? Because it always gets views. Yeah. So it's really important that you you appreciate the volume to it. Don't feel like you send 100 DMs and you're going to get five, ten people come back because that's probably just not going to happen, right? You, you might get a 1% conversion. And even then, they're probably not going to say yes the first time you message them. So that's sort of one issue volume. Two, the second thing I recommend to people, and this is a bit sneaky, but it works, is if there's a particular creator you want to go after and you think, oh, okay, they're pretty well known. So I put people into you know social hierarchy, right? A-list, B-list, C-list, D-list, etc. Mm. So if there's like a, a, an A-list you want to go after, they might not say yes right away. So who are they connected with? Whose podcast have they been on? Who are they you know, liking and commenting on people's posts, that is a B-list or a C-list who are much 
more easily attained. Go after them. You do the interview. You post about it. You shout about it everywhere so that it's public and people can see. And then you message that A-list saying, hey, just interviewed such and such. They said we should collaborate. They might not. That might be a white lie. (laughs) But if they then go on your account and go, oh, they did interview them. Oh, that got pretty good views, actually. Oh, if they did it, then I'll do it. And that's the long way around. But when you actually interviewed the person, say the C-list, they might even just do an introduction for you. Hmm. So, you know, if they don't, then you do the sort of little white lie. But that works really well as well. So it's kind of like um, climbing the ladder of guests, using one to get to the other to get to the other before eventually you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. That That's the, uh, that's the goal. Because <laughs> I know that's one of Rob's target. It is. It target is. That's his hero. Well. Um, so one thing you mentioned there was obviously putting stuff on YouTube and Rob's got a massive following on YouTube. What about people who are starting a podcast and don't have a massive following? Are there ways that you know of that you can put stuff on YouTube, put episodes of your podcast and actually get increased views on that? Is there anything particularly you guys are doing? Right. So there's two main things. First of all, shorts and excerpts is where you're going to get most of the viewership. Most people aren't going to listen to your full length content on YouTube. Our attention spans have been ruined is what it is. So you have Mm. to ease people into it. So you get a lot more views on shorts and things like that. And there is a whole category of podcast listeners. They don't ever listen to podcasts. They just consume them through shorts. Right. So, um, and I'm starting to fall into that category. So I sort of listen to like nine podcasts every week throughout rotation. But there are a bunch of other ones that I will see content from pretty much every other day, at least on say an Instagram reel or a TikTok that I just constantly consume. But, you know, it's not quite good enough for me to bite the bullet yet. But if they have a really good guest, I might listen to that individual episode. So that's number one. It's just lots and lots and lots of clips and short form content. So so how many shorts are you doing from each podcast? Minimum daily. So at least seven. From each podcast recorded? Yeah. Seven shorts from a, a particular interview? Yeah. So if it's an interview, easily seven. Minimum. Oh minimum um but if it's you know my podcast for example is like 10 minutes long and it's like a discussion doesn't really work we normally get about three tops normally two um but it's you know that's different to an hour-long interview so that's number one shorts leveraging people's names so this can be interviewing good names this can be getting your guests to reference other good names so name drops works really well on youtube tiktok things like this so for example when rob interviewed floyd mayweather this was at the beginning of the youtube boxing scene right so for those that don't know there's a craze of influencers and youtubers having you know you know fighting boxing like jake paul was massive ksi logan paul and the first one that really kicked it off was logan paul and ksi and that was happening a couple of weeks after the interview Rob did with Floyd Mayweather. So he asked him a bunch of questions. What do you think of YouTube boxing? Is it good for the actual boxing? What do you think of Logan Paul? What do you think of KSI? And when you're talking to arguably one of the greatest boxers that have ever lived about the state of boxing, and like people care about that. So you're riding the YouTube search. So we normally reverse engineer our content. 
So we'll go on to things like SEMrush, TubeBuddy, all these SEO tools for YouTube, see what people are searching for, see what people actually want. And then when we know we've got a guest coming up, we'll ask them questions that will essentially prompt them to say what we want them to say. So, so you're, we, you're we're not, doing your keyword research in advance, knowing what yeah. people are looking for, and then inject that into the actual interview. Exactly that. So wow. Harry, the producer for Disruptors, pretty much has a title and thumbnail picked out before the content, even before they've even sat down to record. <laughs> uh, and that is really a great tip on how to grow on YouTube because it's all about how much the YouTube algorithm is going to surface you. Because if you haven't got a big following that you can push somewhere, you really have to rely on the algorithm to go, oh, people like this content. Let me keep pushing you out. So that's all you've got to do. It's a bit of a long game. But if you, you can create content that people are already searching for, then you're going to be on the play next. You're going to be on the suggested down that right-hand side of the screen. And that is where you'll then grow. And as soon as you start getting a few people clicking on that, then suddenly YouTube will just blow you up. Do you know that? That's, that's, that's actually mind-blowing. Because um, we... Yeah, I don't, don't want to give you too much praise, but that, that is actually mind-blowing. Because <laughs> we, we, we do, obviously, keyword research before we do any sort of digital marketing campaign for a client, any content that we write, any any SEO that we do. But I've never done it before recording a podcast. Most people won't. We bloody will now. Yeah, yeah good, good. Let me know how it gets on. I mean, um, I've, got, I've got guys in there that do keyword research all, all freaking day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, right now, um, wow. so I've got a like a, a higher level um, podcast and mastermind and they've asked for like AI content. So right now I've been like yesterday, I spent half a day going through all different AI tools, trying to nail down the perfect prompts that work for various things. And one that if you just want to shortcut it is if you go on Bard by Google, so mm. Google's version of ChatGPT, it will, because it owns Google, YouTube and Google podcasts, it knows what people are searching for. So then for the podcast, I've basically just literally searched what are the top 10 most asked questions about podcasting on the podcasting app? And it was like, here's 10. So they're, they're my titles. And I just put, because the podcasting audio app's way more primitive. It's pretty much somebody searched this question. How many times does that question or statements related to that question show up in your show notes or your title? So I copy and paste the question into the title and then I'll do a podcast episode on it, which is just answering a how-to question, 10 minutes, and then do 500 to 1,000 words on the show notes about what I've just said. And then that will help you get ranked on the podcast platforms a lot more. So now I'm just I'm just planning all of my content based on what other people are searching for. And AI is making it easier than I, so don't even have to spend the time on TubeBuddy or SEMrush anymore. Google is just like two seconds later, yeah, say this, okay? Wow, it's so simple. Yeah, <laughs> it really isn't that difficult, um, which is great. But the more difficult people think it is, amazing. The easier it is for me and my clients. But um, hopefully, this sort of opens some people's eyes to think, oh, actually, it's not as difficult as I initially mm. thought. Okay, I've got two big topics I want to cover as well, so I want to just check the time on. I just want to make sure we're okay. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, good. So one 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 thing I wanted to go over was um, if people are thinking of having a podcast because they like the idea of it, what are the actual benefits 
to their business and their brand in doing it? What can they can they achieve by by creating a podcast? That's a really good question. So I try. You well, you, you're nailing. I, I did you ask ChatGPT? ChatGPT. So the the best thing, right? You will become more profitable is what I've seen. So how most independent creators, so if you're not a huge celebrity or anything like that, let's say you are not known or known-ish, but you own a business, you will sell way more of your products and services through your content than you will in any other way, right? So you're all about digital marketing, so you've probably spoken about this, or your audience will definitely know, but the iOS 14 change, right? So overnight, Facebook ads tripled in price because they can't track people anymore. There's nothing you can do about that. And I personally know friends who close their businesses because like things like drop shipping or, or anything like that, because they couldn't get the leads cheap enough for it to be worthwhile. Mm. Your everything. You, and I'm not, by the way, ads are great, right? Mm. There is a place for them. But, you know, if, yeah. if you genuinely want to protect yourself, I, I always prefer organic. Yeah. The other thing is. Social media, for example, if you want to do organic, so if you go, oh, you know, screw ads, I'll do organic, then what's your alternative? Social media, for example, that's great, but the goalposts still move every two months. So, you know, I, I say this on my training a lot, like I'll, I'll answer your questions about it, but I'm not going to sit and focus on it because what I tell you now will be correct because we spend a fortune and a lot of time testing. But in two months' time, by the time you actually implement it, this information will be incorrect. So, what's the point whereas a podcast is right it's long form first of all which means it doesn't need to be really perfect doesn't mean it have to be really polished most content online now is basically just fancy editing it's a 30 second clip with 15 seconds of real content in it nobody's buying a high ticket item from that unless they've been following you every day for years you're just not going to but when you launch a podcast and you can talk in detail to people about things and also you can borrow people's credibility. So if you're sort of, you know, punching above your weight, let's say with a guest and you pour a really good name that's really well respected, people will associate their credibility and authority with you. So, oh, if such and such come on Darren's podcast, well, that he trusts him. I therefore trust Darren, right? So combining borrowing people's credibility, having longer to explain more complex topics and actually provide value rather than just trying to capture people's attention with flashy editing. That will, and obviously low cost because the equipment doesn't really cost much. And then once you've got a podcast, doesn't really cost you anything to, to host it. Then almost everything you make is profit. So when we launched the podcast as podcast, we launched with six episodes, seven days later, launched a seventh episode. I made my first sale after that episode come out 10,000 pounds. So, and that, it's not it's not a big podcast. I don't have a really big podcast audience because my topic is really niche. At the time, right, my social following was near zero. I mean, it's not big now, but it's near zero. It's just aimed at the right people with good quality content, good quality production, where you've just given value, 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 not ask for anything in return. And then people will come to you saying, oh, like, help kind of thing. Mm. Because... There's a huge sum of people out there that don't want to do the work, right? So one of my favorite um, quotes from Alex Hormozzi, like people would say, like abusing in the comments about this, but it's, you know, if you solve rich people problems, 
you will make more money. And that is so true because <laughs> so m one of my philosophies is I will give you everything. I will hold nothing. If you ask me a question, I will give you all of the answers. And I will never say, oh, if you pay me, then you can get the answers. If you ask me outright, I'll tell you. But what ends up happening is you give all that value. You will find a business owner or a rich person, for example, and they'll go, oh, sounds great. Here's some money. You just do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And you, you might experience that all the time. Digital marketing. Well, I can teach you how to do it. No worries. But most of you aren't going to implement it, are you? Let's be fair. You're going to want somebody else to do it. So that you experience that a lot in your podcast. If you show up every week or you know, twice a week or once a fortnight, whatever your frequency is, and it's just giving them a lot of value for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, people will just buy from you. Yeah, it, it is true. Yeah, we, we, we do a lot of training. We do have, obviously, we've got the podcast. We've got a lot of videos online showing people how to do stuff. But at the end of the day, people don't want to do it. They haven't got the time. No, exactly. They want someone to take care of it for them. They want the done-for-you service. And you're right. A podcast is going gonna, is gonna to get that for you. It's going to make that happen. Um, one... One of the things, obviously, you you helped me with was when I launched this podcast. Uh, I got it to number one in Apple's marketing category. Indeed, congrats! Yeah, big, big shout out. Um, but what I was amazed at, it wasn't that difficult. No, it's not. It's really not, is it? So, can you share a little bit of what that strategy is in how you launch a podcast? Yeah. And, you know, some people on LinkedIn think it's really difficult. Don't some know, people Darren, on LinkedIn it's... think it's really difficult, but that guy's a knob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So my strategy, really, because we don't really work with anybody with an enormous following, you have to be a bit more strategic with it. So a bit of background on the charts so people understand how they work gives context to the strategy. So because podcasting is kind of is imbalanced. So there's a handful of people who have been doing it for over a decade and then pretty much everyone else has been doing it for like a year or, or two, like they're really, really new. And there wasn't really many people in between such as right. The Joe Rogan's, the Tim Ferriss's of the world, like they've got such an enormous audience and they're already famous and celebrities. If you went on just downloads, you will never, ever, ever remove them from number one. Joe Rogan's doing something like 60 million plus a month. You're not ever going to catch up with that. So instead, what you have to do or what Apple have decided to do with the charts is a percentage increase of new, what was called subscribers has now changed to followers, percentage increase of new followers in a 24 hour period. So if you start at zero and you get 150, 200 new followers, you will get to number one in your category. It is that simple. So what we do is we bribe people essentially we offer them a giveaway of some sort of competition so for some people who go and listen they you know hit follow and they prove to you that they've done it through a screenshot then you will give them something now my preference is something related to your business so when i did it we got to number one in a bunch of countries really fortunate basically no social following but what i did do is I went through my DMs. I had a bunch of people who'd asked me podcasting questions. Many of them didn't even end up following me, the assholes, but it's fine. <laughs> um, I just messaged them saying, um, hey, don't know if you're still podcasting. I'm launching this show. The winner, so basically all you have to do to enter this competition is leave a review, You know, hit follow, listen to the episode. The winner, I'm going to give you three months on our podcast agency for free. We'll completely comp the service. 
Now, I probably DM'd about 400, 500 people, and we had about 200 participate in the end. But that was enough to get to number one in quite a few countries. Mm. And it gave me an opportunity to pitch my service to 500 people through DMs. And none of them cared or was like, oh, don't cold DM it. Because it was under the guise of, you could win this for free. Yeah. All you got to do is hit download. Right? How easy is that? But I was able to pitch my service. So not only did we then do that to get to number one, which then helped us get you know clients seven days later, like I mentioned, but it also meant I have all these open leads saying, "Oh, you didn't win," but you know, you know, let's talk about something else, and then you can nurture them and potentially get them as clients that way, and they have mm. to pay for it. And 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 it works. It, I've, I've, obviously, I've used the same, the strat, well, similar strategy to what you just did. I did it with um, two hospitality tickets for Liverpool Anfield. Awesome. Which which was a decent price, I think. Yeah, yeah. Those away, and I think the number of downloads I actually had from that first few days was something like 500. Yeah, it's a really good result. So that was a launch with 10 episodes. Right. So it's only about 50, 55 people downloading all 10 episodes, and that was it. Didn't need big numbers at all. And that works, right? And it works every single time. It's worked every time we've done it in the last seven years. Hmm. So that sort of comes back to, you know, perhaps why do a podcast? Well, because it's not, you know, on a platform... Right, podcasting isn't like YouTube where it's owned by one person. It's decentralized, which means there's not one person changing the algorithm all the time. So what worked seven years ago worked when you launched, which worked when I launched, which worked this week when we launched shows. So um, mm. I, I really like that about the platform. Of course, when I, I do my podcast, I mean, you, you probably use it as well because I think you you taught it. Um, I'm using something called Omni Studio. Yep. Which then pushes it out to different podcast platforms. Um, so iTunes, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, various different ones. How do you rate them individually in terms of usage and listeners and, and, and value to a business? Right. So I think currently we're working with about 130 weekly shows, I believe. And I would say, so, you know, millions of downloads a month and about 80 80% of them are on Apple. Right. So it, it is a big lead. I'm not really a big fan of Spotify. Like I use Spotify for music. I hate using it for podcasts. And the other thing is, for whatever reason, probably because it's the oldest app, right? It invented the word podcast, which is Apple. And Apple charts seems to be the holy grail, and that's respected within the industry. Other apps have some sort of charting system but nobody cares about them so for that reason we tend to only share the apple link to really push because mm. if you can get ranked highly in the apple charts that's great because it helps you get better guests sponsors helps because podcast numbers are completely private nobody knows how many listen listeners you're getting so what they can see is number one so when you're number one like you said you got a marketing agents so they're number one in marketing that's great for your business brand but also it might help you pull better guests. It might help you, you know, monetize easier. So I always push Apple. It's my favorite. It's the one I listen to on the pod when I'm listening to podcasts. It could do with some extra features that some of the other platforms use, but that is the one that I'd push if I was a creator. Hmm. And how would you advise somebody to actually get started in this? What do you think is the first thing they should be doing? 
listen to my podcast 100 yes, percent. What, what is your podcast again i'm not sure if you mentioned it oh no probably not it's the podcaster's podcast the podcaster's podcast and i will pop the link for that oh, thank the, you very much in the show notes below as well um but after they've listened to the podcaster's podcast what do you think is what should they be doing how should they be getting started right so to get over that you know that that blank pain syndrome i think Doing a trial episode actually really helps. First of all, buy a mic, right? Get a little, little bit of skin in the game, even if it's, you know, 30, 40 quid, right? And do a trial episode. Because some people, they think, I could never talk for that long, or I don't know what to talk about. And what most people experience, and this is an exercise I get all of my clients to go through, is sit down by yourself, start talking, but have a notepad. And you can prep some notes. It doesn't need to be good. doesn't need to be recorded. But what happens is when you start talking about a particular subject, your brain starts firing and you go, oh, I could go down that tangent. And instead of going down that tangent, write it down, but carry on as you were. And then as you're talking, because one of the things that we did poorly when we launched is we was doing very, very long episodes, you know, like an hour on how to is quite a lot when it's not an interview. And... We were sort of being fairly surface level about lots of topics in each episode, which actually is not particularly valuable. So what we then decided to do is sort our lives out and go, okay, we'll make them shorter. I cannot go on a tangent. It has to be as specific about this one tiny thing. So instead of me talking about, oh, the 17 ways to monetize a podcast in 45 minutes, I'll go, what's the difference between sponsorship and advertisers? Next episode, how do you find your first sponsors? How do you negotiate a sponsorship deal? How much should I be asking? For? And now instead of going one 45-minute episode where I didn't really give much value, I've got four or five out of just one of the 17 strategies. And then I could replicate those four or five for all of the strategies. Mm. Now that is a year and a half's worth of content. So, <laughs> excuse me, it helps you, one... Just doing that little exercise, realize, oh, no, 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 there's actually loads for me to talk about. I just needed to get going to realize where I could go next. And it also helps you have much higher quality content that is much more likely to be shared. You're much more likely to secure clients off the back of it because it's just so much more detailed. Mm. Um, so that's really step one. Get a bit of skin in the game, get the mic, do a practice run, write down sort of just some rough notes of all of the tangents you could go down. And then feel free to join one of my events if you need to. <laughs> and we can pop the link for that below in the oh, show. Oh, very kind. Well. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, that, that's something actually I've never done. Because I I record a lot of interview podcasts, and I, I've got my schedule is I do an interview every two weeks. And then right. in between those weeks, it's a solo podcast. And the interview podcasts tend to be about an hour, mm. whereas the solo ones tend to be however long they need to be. They're usually between 10 and, and 15 minutes. It's about so right. Ideal length is a, is a question to ask. I don't know is it, how long's a piece of string, but firstly, what what is an ideal length for that? But secondly, I, I've I've never thought of actually doing the talking and then stopping myself from going off at a tangent and writing down the ideas because I, even I, who can talk for England, well Wales because I'm Welsh. Why did I say England? <laughs> God damn it! I'm going to be cast out. Um, you are. Talk for oh god. Nick, edit that one out. Um, we can talk for Wales. <laughs> He's not going to edit that one out. I'm in trouble now. Um, even I struggle sometimes to come up with the solo podcast ideas for what I'm going to do. 
because there's only so many things you can talk about. But I probably am doing what, what you started doing. I'm going too broad and not yeah. focusing niche right down on specific things. But Deep rather than wide. So there's a few things that I can pick out on that. So first of all, like I mentioned earlier, the way that they're surfacing content to users is matching on your titles and show notes and things like that. So if the title of your podcast is about, let's say, um, I, I don't know, X, but you talk about X for 20 minutes out of the half an hour, but I, somebody searching, really wants why. I'm searching for why. Now, you spoke about why at the end of that episode. Hmm. But I'll never know because the title doesn't represent it. So I'm not going to click on it. So you actually kind of ruin your chances with search and improving on search by having lots and lots of breadth of content within one episode because you can't reflect all the things you cover in your titles and show notes. Not properly. So if you do four 10-minute episodes rather than one 40-minute that's four times as many titles, four times as many show notes. And that's going to help with just overall search volume. Now, another way you can plan episodes, if for solo ones specifically, one, AI, give you some suggestions. Two, I like to go into Facebook groups, Reddit forums, Twitter feeds, TikTok comment sections, and see what people, what questions they're asking. Because if somebody's, let's say you've got a Facebook group for digital marketers, right, of a certain size company, and you've got all these solopreneurs, right, mom and pop shops, whatever it is, struggling with X, if you know that content, which you will, because you'll be the subject matter expert of that, and you record a 15-minute episode answering their question, and then you go back into that group, either post publicly or, or send it to them directly in a message saying, hey, I saw your message. Um, this is actually my background. I did a podcast episode on it. Um, I hope you enjoy. One, you didn't have to plan it. Mm. Two, you know it's going to get listens because people are asking that problem and you've solved it for them. And three, that's going to build up a lot of goodwill because if if a stranger has seen me struggle on Facebook so much that I've asked a post, like a post out asking the question, they've gone, I know that. Let me go away, record an episode, edit it, and have the courtesy to send it to me after for free without asking for anything that is a tremendous amount of goodwill now if they listen to a few more episodes like you said you launch with 10 but you're gonna have loads now and i binge a bunch i go this dan really knows what he's talking about you know what being a busy entrepreneur i don't have time to do all of these things he's suggesting i'll give him a call hmm. so you don't have to plan episodes you're going to build goodwill i really recommend it makes your life easier do, do you know what 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 you said a, a moment ago about not filling the whole episode with with all different bits and then only talking about why at the end again it's just one of those things i think that's really obvious mm. because that that's how that's how landing pages work for yeah. seo you have a specific page for a specific query that answers that query as long as it needs to be and that's what's going to rank for it mm. it's just the same principle but with a podcast there's Funnily enough, there's a lot of crossover because the main way a podcast grows is through SEO. It's really quite primitive. Right? On social media, it's so much different. It's hashtags or not hashtags. Is it, do you upload at this time or this time? Do I, you know, does it have to be in this aspect ratio? How long does it have to be? What hook do I, There's so many moving parts to social media mm. that 
it, it's really complex. But if you actually, I might start using that as an, an analogy. Podcasting is way more similar to SEO for a website and copy. It's just in a different format. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I've I've got a production meeting next week um, about promoting <laughs> the podcasts, and you've just added quite a few things to the agenda. I'm glad I could so help. Appreciate that. Even if I wasn't recording this as a podcast, this this has been a brilliant tutoring session. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> yeah. um, One of the benefits of podcasting. It, it's, it certainly is. Well, yeah, you learn from the guests. You learn from the mm. guests. What one of the things you mentioned very, very, very at the start of this was about how podcasting is innovating and it's moving forward. Is there anything you know? that's going to be changing about podcasting or any sort of technology or functionality that is going to be coming in that we should be aware of? I think there's one thing that's definitely happening, which is YouTube taking over podcasting. And I think we are maybe a matter of months away from YouTube integrating with RSS feeds. So for those not familiar, podcasting works on RSS feeds, which is much more similar to radio as such. So if you wanted your podcast on YouTube, you then have to separately, you know, have a separate file and manually go and upload it and add all the tags and the content and the captions. So it's a lot of extra work, right? Whereas what will definitely happen probably by the end of this year is when I upload to Omni Studio, my hosting site, it goes to Apple, goes to Spotify, but it will go to YouTube, in which case we'll open a whole nother growth category because youtube's got a very complex algorithm and it's great at promoting content to people but also the partner program which means you can monetize much more easily through youtube so that'd be one big thing and then one thing i don't know but i assume is to combat that you start seeing all the other podcast apps except video soon so i think even if you're not posting videos right now it might be worth at least just recording it and having it saved somewhere for future use because I think that'll be coming soon. No, that that'll be fascinating. When you, when you mentioned about RSS feeds, then it, it reminded me um, somebody in your your podcasting WhatsApp group recommended, or it might have been you actually recommended adding podcasts to Internet Movie Database. It wasn't me, it wasn't but you. I I really liked that tip. Yeah, I did. I, see that. I've done it. Yeah. And it's quite a faff because IMDb is quite a complicated thing to get your head around. But I've done it. It worked effectively. If you've got celebrity guests in your podcast, obviously, as Rob Moore has, Mm. you can tag them on IMDb and it will appear in their credits, which will bring people from them to your podcast. Because I've I've done an interview with Jenny Agata, the um, actress from Call the Midwife, American Wealth in London. I've got a werewolf behind me there. Um, That brings people in from their page. But also, when you mentioned RSS, that's why I remembered it. You can add your episodes one by one, and I did a couple of those, but it's a bit bit of a faff. It's now started pulling out RSS feeds. So every time I add a new episode, it automatically Mm. goes into IMDb. I haven't done anything. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. So it's a fabulous tip tip to do. So if you guys aren't doing it, then you should be doing that as well. Yes, I've just messaged my head producer now to to get on it. (laughs) To get on it. It's yeah, yeah. yeah, Rob. Rob definitely with all the people he's had. Yeah, for so sure. many people coming in from there. Um, so, as a, as a final point, because we are almost out of time, uh, if somebody is listening to this and thinks, "Bloody hell, that Kane, he knows what he's talking about," I want to connect with him. I want to work with him. How can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn's the main one, um, and then if you're more of a fan that wants to listen in the background, then the podcast, the podcast is good. <laughs> of course, right. I'd say that, but. 
<laughs> thank you very much, Kane. It's it's been a pleasure and an education. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs>